How are we doing today, Pack fans? This is Pack Center, your one-stop shop for all things Nevada sports. I am your host, like always, Austin Paschke. I am joined by my co-host, Tyler Seth, and we have a very special guest on the show, our good friend Trenton Webb. Thank you so much for coming on. He's going to be helping us break down football's win against New Mexico on Saturday. We're going to be talking about soccer as they wrap up their season, men's and women's tennis as they wrap up their fall season. We got volleyball as their season as well is coming to a swift end, swimming and diving as they've been absolutely dominating their season. We're going to recap that football game, like I said, and then we're going to preview women's basketball and men's basketball for their games tomorrow. Stick around, guys. It's going to be a great show. And we're back. Great weekend here on campus for PAC Sports. Man, football won, volleyball won, um, soccer did not win, which we were kind of not expecting because UNLV is the worst team in the conference, but it is soccer. You never know what's going on with them. Uh, men's and women's tennis had an all right uh, week. Volleyball, like I said, had a great week. Swimming and diving, do we even need to question it? No, They've been solid day in and day out. Every single meet that they have, they're absolutely just killing it. And let's just start off with some soccer. I mean, let's not get this thing over with, but as their season's coming into an end, our analysis of them is coming to an end as well. We finished this season with a 4-14 and record, kind of along the same lines we've seen in previous years. 3-8 and in the Mountain West. Last year, we went 4-13-2, and 1-10 in conference, so that's a little bit better in conference than we saw last year. Like we said, finishing with a 4-14 and record, 3-8 and in the Mountain West play. Nevada fell in its season finale against the Little Brothers down south. Losing another Silver State battle. You hate to see it, man. Like, we lose the cannon last year, and we've been really good against UNLV. We beat them in, I think we beat them in volleyball, and... Um, Did we beat them in volleyball? I think we beat them in volleyball earlier this year. We might have lost them in volleyball, I think we actually. lost them in volleyball. But you know what? We, we, we do a pretty good job here at the real University of Nevada, beating the Little Brothers down south. We do a great job of kind of just... You know, digging down deep and pulling it out, pulling out the win, but soccer could not. We fell to UNLV Friday night by a score of two to zero. Freshman Gabby Brown cemented herself as the Wolfpack's single season leader in shots taken with 75, and goalkeeper Kendall Stovall moved into fourth place all time career saves with 216, passing Dana Moreno, who has 201 in her career. Both pieces that we're going to be able to see next year, which is good for this pack team. Nevada ties its win total from last year with four, but tripled its win in conference play with now going from one to four. So, I mean, that's or one to three, sorry. And that's a pretty good uh, uptick. I mean, if you're tripling your one win in conference, you go up to three, and that's a, that's a pretty good stat to build on for next year. Some glass half full statistics. Yeah, that is, you know what? That's what we do here. You know, glass half full always. So now we're going to be looking into next season and seeing what head coach Aaron Utagaki can do with this young team. The Rebels took an early lead over the pack after earning a penalty kick in just the fourth minute of action. They held the 1-0 advantage going into the half. The goal scored by Michaela Morris ended up being the game winner in the second half. Nevada had a couple more chances offensively, but like we've been seeing all season, we're unable to capitalize. The Rebels scored an insurance goal in the 69th minute. 
Stovall tied her career high with 12 saves on the night, giving her 117 on the year to lead the Mountain West. Brown finished the season as Nevada's lead goal scorers, including one game winner and an assist. We now turn our sights to next season and wait to see what the team and Coach O can do and what they can build on. I think next season we're going to continue to continue building and continue to see if we can, uh, you know, maybe get more than four wins on the season, maybe get more than three wins in conference. And we, I mean, we have such a young team. Gabby Brown's going to be coming back. She's going to lead the offense. Kendall Stovall's going to be back. She's going to be leading the defense. We're going to have a brick wall and goal again next season with a young offense that hopefully will be able to grow and maybe get some goals and maybe, you know, get some quality wins. And we'll have a, uh, maybe our first winning season, here at Nevada Ooh. for Nevada soccer since uh, we've been established, I think. So maybe we'll be able to see that next year and see this team grow. Yeah, I mean, like you said, there's always room for improvement when you have a team this young. You know, putting some names in the record books isn't too bad either yeah. when you're having a season like this, when Kendall Stovall keeps climbing that list for saves, and then Gabby Brown always taking those shots on goal, taking the shots wherever she can find them. Um, we've seen that on and on and on this season. So it's really uh, encouraging to see that soccer is kind of building on top of this and hopefully that momentum keeps going uh, in an upward direction where next season we could see, like you said, a couple more wins here and there, uh, maybe some more non-conference wins, um, and then just really kind of just keep improving. That's all we can really ask for from soccer. And we'll be able to see that next year, and I think they're going to improve. I mean, you can't really take a step back with such a young group. And they're showing so much promise this year that I think it's only up and up from here. We only had three seniors on uh, senior day. We saw that. So, I mean, there's not a lot of experience leaving. So we'll be able to build on that next year. On to men's and women's tennis. Women's tennis, the University of Nevada women's tennis team, had a perfect final day at the Wolfpack Invitational at the MacArthur Tennis Center on Sunday, winning all 12 doubles matches. In the three-day event, the pack posted an overall record of 35-1. and on Friday, the pack was 11-0 in singles play and 12-1 in Saturday's single action. The Wolfpack Invitational is the final event of the fall. Sunday, the Wolfpack played Sacramento State and Stanislaus State twice in doubles using different lineups and posted the 12-0 mark. Just a great overall weekend from women's tennis. I mean, only losing one match the entire three days, It's that's pretty incredible. I did not see that coming at all. They haven't had that kind of tournament yet this season, so it's good to end the fall season on such a high point going into the spring season in February. Men's tennis, the University of Nevada men's tennis team, played its final event of the fall this past weekend as well at the Pacific Fall Invitational. After receiving a bye, senior Julian Evard defeated James Watt of St. Mary's 6-4 and then 6-2 in the A singles round of 16. Evard fell in the quarterfinals to UC Davis's Andre Volgan 7-6 and then 10-8 and 6-3. That was about the only bright spot in the tournament as many players fell in the first or second rounds and then had to settle for the consolation bracket. We now turn our sights to the spring season as both men's and women's tennis wrap up their fall season. Bright spots for the pack, I mean, definitely not the season, the fall season that we kind of expected. They were kind of middle of the pack, but they are looking up and up, especially that women's team going 35-1 and one over the weekend. Just a bright spot overall, I think, that we're going to be able to build on this season going into the spring, and we'll be able to see what we can do. Yeah, I mean, the women's team showing what they can do on their home court, you know, really dominating, like you said, losing one game in 
36 matches is incredible. And then, yeah, like the men's team, like you said, kind of middle of the pack, but that's why we take this, you know, fall and spring season. You know, there's two seasons for tennis, and hopefully they can really gather themselves in the winter, uh, improve on some of the things. Um, kind of like we talked about golf, you know, I feel like this kind of break for them is really, really important because, you know, they can just fix everything that they've seen in the fall and then really just get geared up for the spring, ready to go. So, um, you know, good for both the men's and women's tennis teams. I'm actually really excited to see what they can do in the spring, uh, maybe fix a couple wrinkles and then come back even stronger. Well, while these tournaments do mean something, these games are obviously games that you want to do well in, it's kind of like a preseason for tennis while these, you yeah. know, fall season doesn't really mean much. It's all about the spring season, what you can do against Mountain West, and uh, we'll be able to see that in the spring, and we'll be able to see how they do moving forward. And then we got volleyball, who finally, finally broke that. I think it was five-game skid. Yep. We lost five in a row, and on Friday we played Utah State. Or, sorry, on Thursday we played Utah State. We got that sweep, huge W. We took the series sweep against Utah State, beating them twice this season. It was an absolutely great game. Nevada had several members shine offensively, but Brianna Souza led the group with 16 kills and just two errors for a whopping hitting percentage. Kelly Robbins was the other member of the pack to hit double-digit kills with 13, while Kayla Foa had the majority of the digs on the night. Dalen Burns had just about every assist, recording 43 in the match. Dalen Burns was a pack player of the week to look out for that we'll be able to announce the winner later on in the episode. For the first time since 2008, the Nevada volleyball program took the win over Boise State in that game on Saturday. They took the win in both matches during the regular season conference. The Pack took down the Broncos 3-1 on Saturday in an intense match to move to 16-8 and 6-6 on the year. Huge games this weekend, especially that one against Boise because we don't beat them often in sports. They were, I think, third place in the conference before we played them. Now they're fourth and we are fifth. Absolutely huge win for the Pack on Saturday. Kayla Foa had another big number match with 17 kills, but Brianna Souza and Cassie McGill also recorded double-digit kills helping her out. Dalen Burns had another 50-plus assist match with 51, while Kayla Spivak led the team with 15 digs. Mandalay Renan and Ryan Blackwood each recorded three service aces, while Souza had one for her name as well. Up next for Nevada is a four-match road swing that begins tomorrow, November 5th at 6 p.m. against San Jose State before heading to take on Air Force next Saturday, November 9th at noon. Nevada now sits fifth in the conference and is looking to continue this win streak. These two games need to be wins. Like they, You can't lose to two lesser opponents, especially after losing five in a row. Um, we need to continue this win streak to... Really, if we want to play in the postseason, we got to beat these teams, and um, it's going to be an uphill battle, but these two wins last weekend really helped, and we got to build on them. Yeah, like you said, uh, if, you, if we want to be a good volleyball team, we have to win the games that we need to win. But looking back on that Boise State game, watching the first couple sets, really kind of a back-and-forth set one that Boise State took very narrowly, and then we just really seemed to find our rhythm in the second set, and then that momentum kept carrying and carrying through uh, the end of the match where we won three straight. But, yeah, really good on the women's volleyball team this weekend. You know, two really big wins. I think they really needed to boost their confidence again and uh, maybe start that win streak again like we had earlier in the season. Hopefully we can finish out conference strong and put um, our name in the postseason tournament. 
That would be really big for this team, something that we talked about with Lee Nelson earlier in the season, how he just really wants to get to these postseason tournaments and get these ladies some experience in them. So, you know, later down the line, we when we start, you know, winning more games and making into bigger tournaments, uh, it's not really scaring them too much. So, yeah, really good job by the women's volleyball team. Consistency is something that we need to see throughout this last stretch, and I think that's something that is going to be really important as we head into postseason play. Absolutely huge weekend for volleyball. And it seems like beating Boise was a common theme this weekend. It's always nice to beat Boise because, you know, they like to talk about how they're the best team in the Mountain West. You know, they have the most money to spend. They have blah, blah, blah. They're the flagship program. But we beat them twice this week. We beat them in volleyball. We also beat them pretty handily in swimming and diving as well. We continued our success over the past few weeks with a big dual meet win over Mountain West foe Boise State, 187 to 113. Not even a game. Not even just demolished. Like, why are you swimming in the same pool as us? Kind of demolished. The pack is now five. Stay in the kitty pool. Yeah, stay stay in the wade pool. All right, you can't even the wade. The wading pool. Oh yeah. (laughs) The wading pool. Stay in the wading pool. Don't even come to our lanes. Don't don't step in our lanes because we will beat you 187 to 113. The pack is now five and zero in dual meets and three and zero against conference opponents. Will we lose this week? This year? Will we lose? No. I don't think we will lose this year. I honestly think we will sweep every single opponent that we play. And, I mean, Nevada, we won 12 of 16 events on the day, a 1-2-3 sweep of the 1-meter dive event, 1-2-3-4 finish in the 200 breaststroke that was led by junior Donna DePolo with a season-best time of 2 minutes, 15 seconds. I mean, if, you're, if your team's getting led by Donna DePolo... That's an all-time swimmer name. DiPolo? All-time swimmer name right there. We're not losing this year. No. There's no way. I mean, you literally have a leader that has Polo in her name leading this team. There's no way we can lose. But looking ahead, next next for the pack is the Phil Hansel Invitational, held and hosted by Houston in Houston, Texas, beginning November 21st and concluding November 23rd. So we have a little bit of break for swimming and diving while they, you know, get things tightened up and continue this undefeated streak like I said I don't think this team is ever going to lose this team has been the solid point for Nevada year in and year out and it's looking to not take a step back this year and I think we're going to have a great year and I don't think we're ever going to lose to be honest with you I 100% agree I mean <laughs> like you said I mean the name speaks for itself Definitely. Um, but in all seriousness swimming and diving like you said one of I think our flagship best yeah. programs um, in Nevada athletics that we've had for the past five, ten years. We you know, we talk about this every week, but I mean they keep impressing and beating teams in the Mountain West by large, large scores. So it's really awesome to see. If you haven't seen this team yet, next time they're in the pool here in Reno, you gotta get out there. You gotta watch this team. I mean they're just dominating in every facet of competition right now. And it's really something that we can kinda hang our hat on year in and year out and be and just say, you know, this team is has easily the best chance of winning the Mountain West tournament, a Mountain West regular season title. So it's really awesome to see and something we love covering um, week in and week out. We'll be able to recap their play on November 21st through the 23rd. We're going to have a little bit of a break, but as soon as they start playing again, we'll be able to recap those wins because we know that they are not going to lose. A team that is maybe not so sure that we're going to win every week is football. And we did win this week. I told Tyler, if you did not listen to the episode on Friday, Trenton, I said that we wouldn't cover football anymore if we lost. Right, yeah, I heard that. Yeah, and um, so we won. 
Thank God. It was 21-10 Saturday night. I think we played in, in front of a crowd of maybe 150 people came out to uh, <laughs> Mackey on Saturday. It was cold. But it was, but it was a great game. I mean, honestly, people should have went. It was a little bit, um, I don't want to say boring, because watching the pack is never boring. Never. But, I mean, it was a lot of three and outs on defense. I was just, like, punting all over the place. Not a lot of big plays. A lot of penalties on our end. We'll get to that a little bit later. But overall, a good game. Do you have some, like, just immediate takeaways that you saw from the game, Trent? Overall, kind of like that San Jose State game. We kind of just made plays when we needed to. Yeah. Even though I wouldn't say it was the prettiest game we've had. But uh, New Mexico actually had a few opportunities to really yeah. put themselves back in the game, and they just they just didn't make the plays. So, I, I think, don't know. I think that more is attributed to our defense, honestly. Yeah. Our, our defense stepped up huge in this game. We forced, I think, we'll get to the stats a little bit later, but we forced a lot of punts, in, especially in that second half, when our defense needed to step up. And uh, I was kind of worried that our defense was going to be on the field a little bit too much. But our offense did did pretty well this game. A high point for us definitely was Romeo Dubs. Had 11 catches, 167 yards, one TD. He has now passed the 1,000-yard club for his entire career here. Elijah Cooks also had a huge night. Six passes, 74 yards, one TD. Um, Carson Strong finally looked like maybe the guy that we can, like, take trust in leading our team going forward. Uh, he had he went 28 for 40, 305 yards, two TDs, no interceptions, which surprised me. And ever since, I mean, the second half of this Purdue game, we have not seen a Carson strong outing like this. So it was really good to see him. I mean, we were playing the literally the worst pass defense in all of college football. But, I mean, if you're going to have – if you're going to do well, you better do well against this team. Exactly. I mean, if you, if you really struggle against this team, it was you know it wouldn't be looking good moving forward. But ultimately, I mean, a good game on offense. We didn't run the ball nearly as well as we wanted to. Tyler, what would you see from Saturday night? You know, just watching the highlights back, you see Carson make some you know decent throws. He obviously missed that fourth and one in the corner of the end zone, um, which was kind of disappointing. He had a receiver pretty open um, and just overthrew it out of bounds. But... Yeah, like you said, um, you know, against the worst pass defense in the entirety of S FBS college football, Carson did what he needed to do, and I, you know, he played a good game. Obviously, no turnovers. That's a big, you know, step for him yeah. moving forward, being uh, a young quarterback, the redshirt freshman that he is, really kind of building that confidence, and I think that it was a confidence game more than anything for Carson. I think now he has a little more swagger in his step, facing two very good opponents we see the next couple weeks, mm -hmm. and then finishing at home at UNLV. But like you said, we had receivers step up. Carson really stepped up. The run game really wasn't there that we would have liked to have seen. But all in all, the offense doing what they really needed to do to win this game. Yeah, we struggled on the ground. Um, that was evident in the first and third quarter. Devontae Lee, though, he went crazy. He had nine rushes for 71 yards. So while he didn't, I mean, have the most yards, he only rushed the ball nine times. Yeah. And when he did run the ball, he ran for about 7.6 yards per rush. Toa had that ever important. He almost had those 20 touches that I like to harp on. I think he had 17. He only had 32 yards, though, which you like to see go up a little bit. This O-line has been a point of emphasis for this team. We struggle making holes. We struggle protecting the quarterback. How did you see the O-line do uh, this past Saturday, Trent? Overall, when I was watching the game, it didn't seem like uh, there was too much pressure for Carson, but... Um, it also didn't seem like we could run the ball, so yeah. it was 
a give and take there. But I want to actually stress the secondary on, on our defensive side. We really, we really held them to to no big plays at all. Even though we didn't get a turnover or the four interceptions like Timmy was talking about in the last episode, I still think we did a solid job in our secondary, which has been a weakness in our in our team for sure. Definitely. I mean, New, Me- New Mexico is a run-first team, but I was worried about our secondary because, you know, every team that comes into Mackey is going to look to exploit our secondary and really make it hard for our defense to run on all cylinders. Our defense did a great job. Daniel Brown was back. That was his first game back since his concussion. It was good to see him back. It was good to see, I mean, all the all the secondary looked like they were making plays that night, and it was nice to see our, our secondary definitely step up. That's a good point. On the defensive end, though, Dom Peterson had a career night, two sacks, four tackles, with three of those being tackles for a loss. Uh, I mean, they, they bailed us out again. Our defense consistently, game in, game out, has been a bright spot. They've been, obviously, our secondary has been beat a lot. But, I mean, when we need them to step up and make a stop, they're they're able to step up. And I think Dom Peterson showed that while it was against not a not-so-good team, I mean, he can have career nights. Two sacks, three tackles for a loss. I mean, that's absolutely an animal game. Like, that's a career game, and I, I'm, ex- I'm excited to see if he can build on that going into San Diego State. Yeah, I mean, you see, we talked about in the preview episode, we talked about how New Mexico is, you know, a run-first team. Our front seven really needs to play well because they they're not a bad you know running team. They were, I think, 68th or something in the in the country, which is good for about you know the midway mark. But still, you know, for a team that's been kind of been having a down year and is consistently kind of bottom of the Mountain West, they run the ball exceptionally well for their whole team perspective. So when you see Don Peterson having a game like this, it really gives us you know a sigh of relief, I'd say, because we've kind of not talked about Dom too much these last couple weeks he's been kind of quiet he's been plugging holes though you know doing his thing but the the stat line wasn't really there until this game so it's really good to see him break out like that and I agree with Trenton I think our our DBs and our secondary played really well Um, like you said when people come to play us you know they want to exploit the pass we saw that with San Jose State a primarily rushing team um, that threw the ball a lot against us because Mm -hmm. they could so it's really good to see them you know have a game like this you know, build a lot of confidence. You know, we keep harping on confidence, but I think it is for this football team. It's something that's, you know, going to be really big coming down the stretch when we play some tough opponents. They're going to need confidence going into San, Di- San Diego State. 24th ranked San Diego State's going to be a tough game, that is for sure. But on our defensive end, to just keep that going, I mean, Taveka, I mean, he went 19 for 36, 237 yards. He didn't have a touchdown, though. He had one really long play, really uh, one really long pass play for, I think it was 30 yards. And our defense showed a bend-not-break style of defense. I mean, we were allowing some big plays. We allowed them to get close. But, I mean, when we needed to step up, we we stepped up. And it was a it was a truly a bend-not-break defense, and that allowed our offense to kind of, you know, take advantage and really do what we should be doing in these couple games. We haven't, been, we haven't seen those offense step up. And I think this game really kind of will start it off for us. Um, I know Coach Norvell in the press conference said that he's been taking more of the play-calling role. Matt Mummy, you know, while he still is calling the plays, he's not doing it as much, and Norvell's kind of keeping his finger on the trigger in that sense. Uh, do you think this is going to help out the offense going into San Diego and you know, with our three games left? Um, I, I think Norvell calling the plays can only help our offense, having the head coach calling them. But, um, I mean, they looked good Saturday night. How do you think they're going to do going into the rest of the season? 
Well, like Tyler was touching on earlier, um, it, it was a big confidence booster game for us. Yeah. And just just to have uh, some some good stops, we had a fourth down efficiency. The the Lobos didn't get one one fourth down, and it was a huge fourth and one. Yeah. They were in the red zone, and and they they stopped them, and that was a huge play for the team because I think it was fourteen to ten at that point. Could have been a one point game. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's that's a plus that our coach is now taking over the defensive coaching calls, and uh, hopefully it'll help us in this uh, big game we got this week. Well, because. San Diego has one of the toughest defenses in the Mountain West, in the country, pretty much. I mean, they they have a stout defense. And to, for us to move the ball at all, we need, you know, the right play callers. And we need Jay Norvell. We need Matt Mummy to step up and to really allow Carson to play his best game. But overall, Saturday night looked good. How do you think they're going to go into San Diego? Not giving too much of the preview ahead, but, I mean, looking good from Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, this team is ranked 24th in the country for a reason. Mm-hmm. They're they're stout on defense, like you said, and their offense can, you know, rush the ball at will. You know, that's the San Diego State staple. It's kind of their rush game. You know, they've had NFL stars come out of San Diego State these past couple of years. So um, it's really going to be interesting to see how our front seven, again, stacks up against what should be on paper a favorable matchup to us. But San Diego State's execution, their precision on offense and defense is really something that is uh, fun to watch for, you know, everyone watching the game, you know, Pac fan or Aztec fan. So it's going to be interesting to watch. Definitely a matchup that has us, you know, not looking so good. But, you know, we just really need to execute again, stay consistent, and then hopefully take some of this momentum from New Mexico and take it down into San Diego. I said that this game was huge to get the community back on the football side. I think if they would have lost to New Mexico, a lot of people would have jumped off the train. They would have not cared about the last three games of the season because we would have had to win two to make to get bowl eligibility. That would have been very difficult. And with this win, I really think the community isn't not back because I don't think they ever left, but I think is feeling a little bit more confident going into the remainder uh, last three games, going into bowl eligibility and seeing what we can do. Do you think the community really is going to support this team in the past in the next three games uh, going off this win on Saturday? I think I think so, and I think you made a good point about this. This game was really important for whether or not people are gonna, you know, hop over. Let's let's start focusing on basketball now. Yeah, you know, exactly. A winning sport, but this was a huge game for us, and it, it leads into such a big game that you know, hopefully, it does bring the community back so that we can have a um, a solid outing at these next few games, especially at UNLV during Thanksgiving. Yeah, when UNLV comes up to Mackey, it's going to be a huge game because obviously the entire community, that's the game you really want to you really want to win. I mean, even after last year's season, we went 8 and 4 for a bowl game and people wanted that UNLV game back. Like it was almost like it was the season was lost because we couldn't beat UNLV. So I think this game was huge. I think the UNLV game is huge to get that community support back on our side, especially going into next season. Um, but we will be able to preview that San Diego State game come Friday. We'll be able to give you everything you need to know again about our game against San Diego. We're, while we're going into San Diego, it's always a hard environment to play at. But looking ahead, guys, we got women's basketball tomorrow, 3 p.m., Lawler Event Center, St. Mary's. It'll be a big game, huge game. St. Mary's is no pushover, that is for sure. And then after that, we got men's basketball. It plays at 7.30 in Lawler. So come to both those games, get a night full of basketball. It's going to be a great one. Uh, But for women's basketball, seven months since our last game for St. Mary's in the WNIT tournament. Last season, St. Mary's went 21-12, a great season.
but they lost in double overtime to 14th-ranked Gonzaga in the West Coast Conference Tournament. They then went on to the WNIT and lost to Pepperdine, another West Coast team, in the second round. This is an experienced team that's looking to improve on a great season last year. The Gales welcome back 10 players to their roster this season, including sophomores Sam Simmons and Tacey Whedon, as well as junior Madeline Holland. The trio played a combined total of 2,101 minutes last year, which included 776 points, 241 rebounds, and 60 steals. This group that is coming back is incredibly impressive. They have a lot of experience. They have a lot of wins under their belt. They're returning 10 players. I mean, it seems like they're not losing anyone. It's going to be a great matchup for our team to see how good we're actually going to be this year. One name to look out for, at least in my book, is Sam Simmons. Simmons spent a portion of her summer playing for the Australian Gems in the FIBA U19 World Cup, where she led them to a second-place finish. Simmons played in five of Australia's seven contests, averaging 2.6 points, 1.6 rebounds, with 11.7 minutes played per game. One of her best outings, though, came against USA, where she played 20 minutes, and I think she had around seven points. Now we're looking to keys into this game. What do you think is a key going into the game that women's basketball can really focus in on and get this dub come tomorrow night? I mean, on the defensive side of the ball, you kind of talked about kind of St. Mary's' big three. Limiting them in points and rebounds in almost every facet of the game is going to be huge. When you take away a good team like this, their best player you make, those other players have to step up and make them hurt you, not their best player. And that's something that I think Coach Levins and the girls are going to try to work on this week in practice. But keeping that defensive fundamental kind of mentality, um, they played really well in their um, game against William Jessup defensively. We talked about the turnovers. We talked about the steals. But I think, you know, to win this game against St. Mary's, they're going to have to create a lot of those turnovers again and get points off those turnovers because those are easy points that we need to cash in on if we're going to beat a good team like St. Mary's. And then offensively, um, just keep the ball moving. Keep that ball movement. Coach Levin's talked about finding the best shot, not just a good shot. Um, And I think that they'll be able to execute that very well. This team is very well coached. They practice their fundamentals and are very good at their fundamentals. So it's going to be a good game to watch. I think this is going to be a close one uh, coming down the wire. You know, the women playing at home, it is free to go to for this game. So get out there. They talked about on their media day how really that atmosphere at Lawler is such a big thing for them to, you know, win games and to have that community on their side is super, super huge. So everyone get out there, watch a very good team, play another very good team Mm -hmm. in St. Mary's, and it should be a really good one. This is a good team that's coming to Lawler. This isn't a pushover team. And to beat this team, I think we're going to have to play fast and we're going to have to score a lot of points. Amanda Levins, that's kind of her style of basketball is just fast scoring, always, you know, competing and always getting that bucket. She was saying how maybe her teams in the past haven't really had that mentality and haven't been able to have that personnel to kind of run her style of basketball. But now she has her players in here. She has her classes. She has her uh, recruits, her transfer uh, players. And now she says that she thinks that she has her team. She has her running gun team that can score a lot. We saw that against... Jessup scoring over 100 points. Essence Booker, I think, needs to step up and have a huge game. If Whether she's coming off the bench or starting, that will be interesting to see because she came off the bench against William Jessup. I personally think she's a starter. I mean, I want to see if she's going to start or what, if she's going to be a six-man option. Marguerite Effa, who we got to talk to or got to talk with at Media Day, she 
I think she's going to have to have a big game as well. She's really composed. She told us she's not really a leader, a vocal leader, but she is. She leads by her play, and I think that's a that's a good attribute to have. She is absolutely an animal down low. We saw against William Jessup, like, they didn't really know how to stop her at all. They kept trying to block her shots, and it seemed like Marguerite would just, you know, tower over him and just shoot right over him and go in. I mean, she's an absolute ball player. She could play really well on defense, and then we saw her step up from three and make a three. Um, she's just a stretch big. She can do everything. I think she's going to have to have a huge game to beat uh, St. Mary's. Do you have a score prediction? Do you think we're going to win? How do you think tomorrow night's going to go? It's a tough one. I mean, you know, seeing them, seeing our women's basketball team in that exhibition game really gave me hope. But, again, it's against a D2 team in William Jessup. We right. have to take that with a grain of salt. It's going to be a close one. I think we might drop this one to St. Mary's just because St. Mary's experience coming back. I mean, you have a full rotation, 10 players coming back from last year's team that went to the WNIT that went 21-12, and 12, had a very right. impressive season. But I think it's going to be a really good test for the girls. I think they can definitely make it close if they, you know, play solid and play kind of mistake-free basketball, you know, very little turnovers. It's going to be a tough game, but I think St. Mary squeaks this one out. But I think it's going to be a really fun game to watch. Like you said, this team loves to run and gun, get up and down the court. And I think that's going to be kind of a point of emphasis. And we're going to see a lot of a lot of good basketball at Lawler tomorrow. I think we squeak out the win. I Because I'm just convinced that the way we can score the ball will actually will really help us. I'm interested to see what we do against some really good defense, though. And if we control Sam Simmons and control the big three that are coming back, I think we have a chance of winning this game. It's just going to be very, very hard against this very good St. Mary's team. It's going to be a close one, though. I don't think any team is going to blow out the other. It's it's going to be a close game, and I think we're going to have to really step up and stop their big three to really have a big game. And, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to watch come tomorrow, 3 p.m. Stay tuned and go out and watch. It's going to be free, as we said, so just go in and uh, watch some good basketball and then stay for the men's game as well. But uh, 7.30, men's basketball, Utah, Pac-12 foe. If you cannot make it to Lawler for some weird reason, watch on CBS Sports Network. But really, everyone should be out for men's first game, first real game against Utah. It's going to be a whiteout. That's going to be really fun. They're giving out white shirts. Come get your T-shirt. Come get your T-shirt and support whiteout. It'll be fun. It's always fun to see the pictures in whiteout or the striped game, the blue-white striped game, and see the... um, Fans really get into the game. Last year's Utah team went 17 and 14, 11 and 7 in conference, finished third in the Pac-12. Who, the Pac-12 had a really disappointing basketball season last year. Uh, Utah, they are a good team. They're not, they're not any slouch team. But if they finished third in the Pac-12 last year, you know that they had a down year. In their only exhibition game, they beat the University of Texas, Tyler. Shout out to Tyler. Yes, sir. Uh, 88 to 47. I didn't even know University of Texas Tyler was a school. But, I knew Tyler, Texas was a place in Texas because I researched it when I was like a kid doing right. like some school project. But I, yeah, I agree with you. I didn't know they had a. Isn't it like a D three? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I, I, th- I yeah, I think it's 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 down it's there. Small, that's for sure. It's a small area. I'm hey, you but that they right took now. care of business. 88-47. Utah was recently picked finished to finish ninth in the Pac-12 preseason poll, which is kind of a good sign for us. But, I mean, if even if we do get the win, we want them to do well in the season because, you know, that helps out our seeding and for various reasons. But Alfred will have the upper hand due to the fact that he played against Utah when he was at UCLA, coaching their team last year and the year previous. The Utes returned just two of their top seven scores, which is good for us. 
Only three players returned that played more than 10 games last season. Their top two rebounders left and transferred. A fun fact, Donnie Tillman, who transferred from Utah this past season, uh, went to UNLV. He'll be able to sit this season. We'll be able to see him in the Mountain West next year. Timmy Allen, their top returning scorer, averaged 12.2 points, 5.1 rebounds, 2.4 assists. And he last year, fun fact, he only took seven threes and made four of them. So he's not that much of a shooter. Definitely is more of a driver, but look out for him come tomorrow. Some newcomers to watch out for are Ryland Jones, who is the third-ranked prospect out of Utah. Matt Van Komen, who is 7'4", 220-pound center, who chose Utah over Gonzaga and Baylor. He also had six blocks in their inner squad scrimmage and two blocks against UT Tyler. Both Gatch is another name to look out for as he played 20 minutes per game last year and averaged seven points per game. He played 26 minutes in the first exhibition game, shooting six for 13, scored 15 points, five rebounds, but went 0 from three from three. This team is not experienced. It's fairly new. Definitely not the same team that that finished third in the Pac-12 last season, but they have some really good new talent. I think that Matt Van Komen guy is going to not eat us alive down low, but he's definitely going to make going to the paint extremely difficult. Our shooters have to be on it because we're not going to be able to go drive to the paint a lot. I mean, he he definitely knows how to block. He had six in their inner squad scrimmage. Two against UT Tyler. He definitely knows how to cover that paint. Yeah, I mean, what are some keys looking forward to in this game? I agree with you. I think shooters need to be on point. We got to have Jalen Jazz, Nizre, Zane really kind of step up and knock down some big shots. Because I agree, I think that driving to the paint, uh, like we've seen against you know some of our exhibition games, is going to be a little more difficult. You know, the dude's seven four with a giant wingspan. You know, he's a big body down there. And it's going to be interesting to see how KJ kind of matches up with him or um, John Carlos, Carlos, whoever is tasked with covering the 7-4, Matt Van Komen. But, yeah, I think this is a game where we'll really kind of see where we are right now. Obviously, it's the first game of the season, you know, a lot of nerves for the first actual game. You know, we saw nerves in the scrimmage, our first uh, exhibition game. But it's going to be really interesting to see how they come out, how Coach Alfred prepares them the day before, like he's been preaching, the you know, pre-game kind of rituals getting into that groove it's going to be interesting to see how they come out if they come out strong if their defense comes out strong it's something that we are going to keep a close eye on kind of falling apart in that second half of our second exhibition uh, was not something that we'd like to see but defensively we really just need to stop you know the couple guys that can score like you said Utah's a very unexperienced team a lot of turnover from last year so these guys are going to have to you know mesh and mesh quickly if they want to win this game but I think we you know, we should take this game looking at it on paper if our shooters really step up and, you know, we play some decent defense. I think this should be a game that is very winnable, but it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, Coach Alfred kind of pulls this whole thing together right now. Definitely. Defense is a big uh, spot in my pregame prediction just because they can score and our defense is going to be hindered a little bit. I think Eric Parrish would have helped out most in the defensive end just yeah. defending on the wing. But now we are going to have to rely heavily on Nizre and Jalen. And wh- while we ask them to do so much on the offensive end, I think it's hard to ask them to do that the same as defend- on the defensive end. So I think really defense should be a huge point of emphasis tomorrow. If we can defend them, I think we can we can win this game. It's going to be a close game, though. But I think if we start off this win against Utah, even though it's not the best Pac-12 foe, I think still a win against Pac-12 to start the season will be huge. 
I think we will win. I think it's going to be a very close one because while they are inexperienced, so are we. I think there's going to be a lot of nerves on both ends of the court, fighting off the cobwebs, just fighting off the rust. And I think we're going to win. I think it's going to be a close game. I think we won by like five points. I think it's going to be around like 65, 70, that, that kind of range. I think we're going to win, but I think Jalen has to have a huge game. I think Zane has to help up on the rebounding end of things to really help out against that 7-4 center. But I do think we win. Do you guys have a score prediction? Do you guys think we're going to win or lose? How do you think tomorrow night's going to go? Yeah, I think we take the win. I think it will be a little bit of a lower scoring game. I'm thinking in the 60-65 we score, and then they get around 55-60. You know, it's going to be a tight one. You know, this Utah team is no slouch. They were picked last year to finish pretty poorly in the Pac-12 as well. They end up finishing third. So the coach definitely knows what he's doing over there at Utah. They've had some good seasons under him. But I think we do take this one. I think I think you're right, actually, bringing up that Zane point. I think he's going to have to, you know, get in position. Like, we've kind of seen him, even when he's not shooting the ball the best. He really snatches those rebounds. It's going to be interesting, that matchup between him and Utah's 7-4 monster down low. So it's going to be uh, a fun one to watch. I think that, you know, it's going to be a first, a good first game at Lawler. You know, the whiteout. Get all the crowd into it. It's going to be a good first official game under the Alpha Air. I think we do take the win, though, but it's going to be a close game. Yeah, I know, Trent, you're the football analyst here, but how do you think this basketball game is going to go tomorrow? You know what? I think uh, we'll get this win, but I'm going to make a bold statement and say it's going to be a higher scoring game. Okay. I, I say there's going to be a lot of undisciplined basketball getting the first game jitters out. I say 77-75. We win? Yeah. Oh, I like that prediction. I like that score. Yeah, it, it's a little higher, but I I do like that prediction because obviously we are winning. But I I do think that <laughs> I I do think that it could be really sloppy. Honestly, I, I do mean, too. from these two inexperienced teams, I think we could see a lot of turnovers. Um, we didn't have too much of a problem turning the ball over in our first couple games, but in our, in our exhibition games. But I do think it was a little bit of a point of emphasis because you know we have a young team, they have a young team on inexperienced. So I think. You know, we could see the turnover margin get up there, and I think uh, we could see this game kind of get out of hand quickly. So I think that's a accurate prediction. But ending the episode last but definitely not least is Pack Player of the Week. Yeah. We broke the record in votes, Ooh, ladies and gentlemen. Did we, we really? Bro- yes. 77. 77 votes. Romeo Dubs was in the lead for the longest time. No. The longest lead. No, I, I thought have he was going to win. I looked at this in like a day, and like probably since last night. I did. I thought he was oh, going to win, no. but the winner of this week coming back from behind and didn't even it wasn't even squeaking it out. She won by a lot of votes. Is drum roll please, Dalen Burns of volleyball who Woo-hoo! had a combined ninety four assists this weekend to help her team beat not only Utah State, but Boise State as well. So 77 votes, 52% of those votes went straight to Dalen Burns to be this week's PAC Player of the Week. Definitely deserving. Um, I thought Romeo Dubs was going to win because, I mean, he had a career game. But Dalen Burns has been a consistent bright spot for this volleyball team and a huge spot to look forward to, you know, ending the season, seeing what we can do at the end of the volleyball season. So congrats to Dalen Burns for being this week's Pack Player of the Week. I am just surprised that we remembered to do it. I got home from work, and I was like, oh, it's about 5 p.m. I think we forgot to do Pack Player of the Week. But we got it done. We got it going, and we'll be able to do next week's Pack Player of the Week as well. Trenton, any last thoughts uh, while we're wrapping up this episode? 
Let's just get out there, support the boys, wide out, support the girls' basketball yeah. team. Let's let's kick this year off good. Yeah, I agree. Shout out Dalen Burns for the follow on Twitter. Um, yes. Pat, big shout out Dalen Burns. Follow Pack um, Center. I like yeah, it. yeah, we love it. Um, but yeah, you know, good week for the Pack again. I'm kind of looking back on this last week. You know, we had a lot of good sports that played and played at their peak performance. You know, Mountain West, the peak, as at they the like peak. at the peak, like as they call yeah. us now. Um, but yeah, I agree with Trenton. Come out, support the girls at three if you can make it. Um, I know I'll try to be there because you know watching this team is really fun. Yep. And then bring out your white shirts. Go grab a white shirt from Waller. You know, it's men's basketball game is gonna be rocking. It's the first game of the season. I know a lot of students are very excited about it on campus. I know a lot of the Nevada community is very excited. The basketball is back. You know, see if we can you know build on what we had last year. I know it's a lot of you know turnover, but it's gonna be really fun to watch this both these basketball teams play. So get out to Lawler, support our Nevada athletics, and let's have another good week, Pack. Huge basketball games coming up. Men's team, while there isn't much hype, it's we're still picked to finish fifth. That's pretty good. I think this women's team is going to surprise a lot of people this year, and both St. Mary's and Utah are just the starts of this young season. First 10,000 fans through the door gets a white T-shirt, so make sure you show up early and um, support some Wolfpack basketball. We'll be able to recap those games on Friday as well as previewing for SDSU for football come Friday as well. Thank you guys so much for giving us your time, and let's go Pack.